we're past the top of the hour, so I guess we can uh, kind of officially start and, and get into ThorChain updates and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. We can just start off with a quick introduction. Uh, I'll, I'll start. What's up, guys? I'm Familiar Cow. I am hosting the space along with uh, Chad Thoreau this week. I run an ecosystem project, uh, Veneer Threads, and make uh, awesome ThorChain sneakers that are uh, NFTs that are also physical. So, Chad, Thoreau? Yeah, I am uh, just a big fan of ThorChain and, um, you know, became a ThorChain tweeter and now a ThorChain <laughs> content creator and just kind of been finding my place in the ecosystem and figuring out where I can help and, and contribute and yeah, just a ThorChain Maxi. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, Chad Barraford. I'm uh, one of the core devs on the project. I've been with it since the very, very beginning. Uh, and yeah, super excited to be here to chat more about the project. What's up, guys? Pluto here, um, just representing from the Nine Realm side. Um, I work on some of the core protocol, infrastructure, and security stuff. Cool. And uh, I'm Xerox Saigon, um, just a supporter, community member of ThorChain and creator of uh, RuneBase.org and ThorGuard NFTs and, and just here to support this week. And then, uh, yeah, thank you. All right. Well, uh, Chad, let's talk about what's going on in ThorChain development right now. So one of the most recent updates, I believe, uh, now we have uh, Doge live on on Thorchain, correct? Can you go into some detail on that? Yeah, um, actually, Pluto, do you want to cover this one? Because it's, it's really kind of more your your uh, your bag in a sense. Yeah, sure. So, uh, just first, um, Doge is not live on Thorchain right now. Um, there's sort of it's really interesting with a with a rollout of a new token on a decentralized network. There's going to be like different definitions of what live is. Um, the code itself has been live in Thornode for over 10 months now. Um, does that mean it's tradable on ThorChain? No. So there's there's lots and lots of steps that go into adding a new chain into ThorChain. Um, so it is live, quote unquote, in the sense that an Asgard vault has been created for Doge to be stored, but it's still not tradable. Even if it is tradable, there's no liquidity for the Doge pair. So this basically presents us with a bit of a, um, of a conundrum, right? Like we can create the L1 pool and put $20 into it, um, but we don't want to go start championing um, all over Twitter saying, hey, guys, look, Doge is live. Like someone is just going to go in and be like, well, I'm going to get 100% slippage on this, you know, $20 trade, right? So, you know, when it comes to, from a technical standpoint, is Doge live? Um, we kind of want to decouple that from the idea of like Doge is live from like a marketing standpoint. Um, and so that's kind of some of the work that we've been doing. So, um, you know, from, from the perspective of like just the technical side of things, we could enable Doge right now. Um, uh, but the reason we're not doing that right now is because we wanted to line up a couple of things. Um, the first thing is, um, you know, just making sure that the product is ready to go, making sure that there's going to be, um, you know, a good user experience for people on day one. So ThorSwap has stepped up um, and they have custom Doge experiences ready to roll. 
Um, so what that's going to be is like when you come to ThorSwap, you're going to see um, you're going to see like a, 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 a banner with Doge specific branding on it. I'll let the ThorSwap guys talk more about that stuff. Um, but basically, they've kind of lined up this this sort of welcome welcome package for all the new inbound users that are going to be coming onto ThorChain and onto ThorSwap and AsgardX um, on 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 the first day. Um, so so basically. Um, one of the one of the things that that entails um, is is making sure that like all these new users understand like how like first of all what is Thorchain and second of all how does Thorchain work. So uh, there's going to be a lot of people who show up you know at our front doorstep on day one being like what 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 the fuck is this shit you know they're going to be like what is Thorchain you know how, what is DogeFi um, you know and 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 what can I do I can swap I can add liquidity. Um, so maybe just like a brief explainer of like what is impermanent loss protection? What does it mean to be a liquidity provider as opposed to just like a regular gold staker? Um, so just kind of like, you know, a quick tutorial to bring people up to date on that stuff. And then uh, how to use it. So, you know, th there, are, there aren't a lot of great wallets that support Doge and also support um, what we need in order to do sort of DeFi interactions, like being able to specify op return codes on UTXO chains. Um, Wallet Connect, for example, does, um, doesn't support UTXO chains. So while Trust Wallet supports Doge, you can't use Trust to um, interact with ThorChain using Wallet Connect because Wallet Connect doesn't support UTXO. So there's a lot of things that like go into it. It's like making sure that okay, if people have to use a key store to uh, to you know deposit liquidity to earn yield on Doge or to swap Doge on day one, we want to have them people understand how to do that. It's not simply enough to just like, you know, tweet and say, Hey guys, Doge is live. Have fun. You know, we need to just make sure, we need to make sure that the, the experience is tailored and that all the newbies that are inbound um, who have never heard of ThorChain um, have, have this sort of um, knowledge to be able to use it effectively. And so, and so when we think about this, it's like ev every single person that's being directed from the Doge community to ThorSwap or, or, or ThorChain.org or whatever over the next week or two, those are all opportunities for us to create um, um, a new ThorChain user to convert those people. And so um, we basically have been thinking this through to figure out what's the best way to convert people um, to ThorChads to, you know, um, uh, and it'll, same thing with lunatics. We want to get all those lunatics into, uh, into ThorChads as soon as um, Terra is live as well. So we're taking a bit of a new approach here when it comes to launching this chain. We're not simply saying chains up, have fun. It's like, we want to basically make sure that we're teeing things up from a technical perspective, from an ecosystem and product perspective, um, from a comms perspective, from a liquidity perspective. So there's there's tons of moving parts here with a lot of different teams. Um, so when it comes to like media coverage and Twitter comms, um, I think we're allowed to talk about it here. Um, but you know, just take with a you know everything that I'm about to tell you guys. I I, I want this to stay in this in this Twitter spaces. And I understand this is all public, but you know, just know that if you go and start tweeting all this stuff, it, it's not going to help anyone. Um, and it's not going to help you. It's not going to pump your bags. So just stand by and we're going to talk about, you know, what the sort of rollout strategy is. I'm going to lay it all out for you guys. And we're happy to hear anyone's input. Um, but but just know that like there's an embargo on Twitter about Doge right now because we want to make sure we really nail this thing. Um, and, and, it, and there are lots of moving parts. There have been commitments made 
Um, so again, like, let's just keep it on this call between us. Um, feel free to spread this information word of mouth. Um, but, but basically, um, so yeah, so first thing, um, DoorSwap has done a lot of work, um, on the media and press relations side. Uh, and they've queued up a piece with, uh, Cointelegraph actually being the first outlet to cover DogeFi. Um, and so they, they really like this narrative of, of DogeFi and bringing DeFi to Doge. Um, so they've agreed to an exclusive piece on how ThorChain is bringing um, DeFi to Doge. Um, so obviously when you have an exclusive on something, you need to have an, an embargo on other press communications. So as such, um, the Twitter, you know, Nine Realms Twitter, um, ThorSwap Twitter, and ThorChain Twitter uh, won't be tweeting anything about Doge until after that um, after that article goes live, uh, and that will be slated for 10 a.m. EST on Monday, um, if everything else goes according to plan in terms of the technical rollout. Um, so just you know, it, you, you guys have probably seen like there's a Twitter embargo. We're not tweeting about Doge. This is why because we're actually for the first time lining up with a mainstream crypto news outlet. Um, an article that could bring a lot of inbound to ThorChain. Um, so there, that's just a little bit of background on why we're doing that. Um, and then on Sunday night, uh, what we're going to do is basically seed the L1 pool. So we'll, we'll start by creating the L1 pool with a, with a small, very small initial slug. Um, and then we'll basically, it'll be open to, to deposits. So anyone within the community um, that is, you know, wants to provide LP for Doge, um, can do so as of Sunday night, 6 p.m. EST. Um, and so basically between 6 p.m. EST and 10 a.m. EST, we're not talking about it publicly, but technically Doge will be live and you'll be able to add liquidity and we'll be raising caps in order to accommodate that, that liquidity um, throughout that time. So um, so yeah, basically between, between you know, it, it, for all intents and purposes, live 6 p.m. EST Sunday um, for liquidity add, um, and it will be live for trading as of 9 a.m. EST. If everything looks good to go, sorry, 9 a.m. EST Monday. If everything looks good to go, um, then we'll give the go for the Cointelegraph article. That will drop at 10 a.m. EST. And then we will lift the Twitter embargo. And then all you Thor chats can do your thing and, and light Twitter up with, uh, with this news. Um, so that's just a, that's just a, um, a, a small recap. Um, in terms of day one liquidity, right? We, the last thing we want to do is have uh, is post like, "Hey, look, Doge is live," and then someone you know goes and says, "Why is there a forty percent slippage on a one BTC to Doge trade?" So the way that we avoid that is by getting at least two to three million dollars in depth for for day one, um, and that's kind of what we're going to want to target for for any chain going forward. We want to make sure that there's enough meaningful liquidity on ThorChain on day one that people can show up and make good trades. Um, otherwise, you know, what's the point? Um, so, yeah, basically, like. We want to just avoid that scenario where people are like, you know, I, I can make a swap, but it's not a good swap. Why would I even use this product? Um, so, yeah, there's just there's a lot of the moving things here. It's about uh, lining up that capital, um, seeding it into the pools, lining up the media coverage, lining up the Twitter and outbound communications and the ecosystem and product. Um, and ThorSwap have been um, have really stepped up on on those final two um, those final two points I just mentioned. And um and yeah, we're just super excited for uh, for Doge to launch. So 
um, you know, the, the launch has been taking place over the, you know, over this week, right? We, we were prepping software updates, releasing software updates, the software updates are adopted, the, the churn creates the, you know, Asgard um, uh, vault. So it's like, we're not, we're not running a centralized exchange here where we can just like flip a switch and everything just works because we've tested it, you know, um, you know, on our, on, on our, on our, on our backend already. And we, everything's kind of just centralized. Like we're trying to launch a, 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 a product in a, in a, or a new chain in a decentralized way, but to, but to do it so that there's like a, a, a user experience that is viable for day one. Um, and so like, it might feel like, you know, maybe, Oh, these, like, why are you guys, why are you guys, um, placing, you know, uh, um, embargoes and it, it might feel centralized, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where we think that the coordinate, it's not centralization, it's coordination. We think that this coordination upfront will result in a better, um, a better launch for Doge. And, um, if it goes well, then, you know, we can, we can use this sort of formula for the Terra launch. And if it doesn't go well, then we'll, we'll hear the community's feedback and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll change tack and we'll, we'll, we'll do it how you guys want to do it. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's kind of just like a, um, that's kind of just like an overview. Um, do we want to take some questions on this Doge uh, launch specifically first or hold them till the end, guys? Probably hold till the end, I would, I would say, just for the sake of organizing the panel, uh, unless anyone disagrees with that. Okay, great. But yeah, that was, that's all incredible to hear. Like just to zoom out and to kind of look at how... Um, Nine realms and, and and all the teams are bringing such a more coordinated, organized strategy to this. Is like feels like such a shift for Thorchain. So that's incredible, and I love the trust with bringing in the the community here and and kind of um, letting the community do their part to uh, facilitate with the launch going smoothly. Um, and then things like ThorSwap having that education. I actually I actually personally just joined the ThorSwap team in the last couple of days to help with that educational content. So I'm, I'm working on making those video tutorials as, as clear and simple as humanly possible to take somebody from, you know, just a simple doge holder to somebody that is a full, a full on, you know, liquidity pooler on Thorchain, understanding what they're doing. So, um, yeah, it's really cool to see such a more coordinated launch effort and I can't imagine it not going well. It, it feels like so, so much stronger than just, you know, kind of flipping the switch and, and seeing what happens. So, Really cool to hear. Uh, Chad, do you have anything to add on, on Doge launch? Uh, I think Pluto did a good job kind of recapping it. The only thing I would add is just the, just the general concept of that, that Doge has been, you know, mostly at a standstill for years, right? There hasn't really been a lot of advancements in kind of terms of that ecosystem. And, you know, in the meantime, DeFi has completely exploded on other ecosystems and uh, Ethereum especially. And, this is like this isn't going to be, I think, huge for that ecosystem, for the Doge ecosystem, because they're now actually having access to DeFi, and that's that's not just Doge. That's going to be, you know, Terra. That's going to be, you know, Solana. That's going to be Dash, maybe, or Monero, or you know, whatever else. Like um, all this value add that this project is adding to the Doge ecosystem, we're going to rinse and repeat that shit. And every time we do that, it's going to, you know, introduce an entire new community into the Thorchain community and just grow our pie, right? Grow the number of members to our community and then 
uh, grow our Twitter followers and everything, like all that stuff is going to, you know, exponentially grow as we just kind of introduce more and more communities to our system, to our ecosystem. So it's, I mean, just a, this is just the first example of this, but we're going to see, you know, 10 or 15 more of these over the course of the year. Yeah, Pluto, I think you brought up a, a good point about um, just coordinating the launch in that, like, you know, ThorChain is a decentralized ecosystem. There's so many different teams and people that are working on um, these releases and um, just your guys' coordination stepping up to make sure that it's actually a good user experience from from uh, from the user end, uh, from the people who haven't even heard of ThorChain right now, but will in uh, in, in two weeks when they learn about Doge being on Thorchain, that's it is really important to get that first um, the first impression right. So uh, yeah, um, just coordinating that launch is is going to be super important, and then um, learning lessons for future uh, chain launches and things because that's just going to bring more members into uh, into this space and um, you know kind of show them the light a little bit and uh, show them that we can coordinate things as a community and uh, get new chains out there and bring them decentralized liquidity. Sweet. Yeah. So again, guys, just, um, just to reiterate, like, you know, there, this is obviously a public Twitter space, so, you know, we can't, you know, we're not sworn to secrecy here, but just for the sake of, um, you know, having this launch go smoothly, it's just kind of like, keep it, keep it to yourselves. Um, but I think, yeah, this is, it's like, it's really a testament to how awesome the ThorChain ecosystem is and just really how, how decentralized it is that like a developer can, you know, the developer who actually wrote the, um, the, uh, the chain client for Doge, um, you know, is different from, uh, from, from me, who's like actually sort of doing like the stage net testing and then like, you know, uh, managing like the, the PRs to get it actually out. And then like the network itself just kind of takes over from there and, and, you know, creates the vaults and everything. So it's, it's just really cool how like, you know, it, it's almost like an unstoppable force. Like there's no one person here that's, that's, um, that's, that's accountable for bringing this thing over the finish line. Um, it's this, it's this whole community and it's all these different teams and it's, it's really great to see. And, um, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously there's no other project like ThorChain, but even just, Thorchain's sort of position in being able to tap into all these other communities is, is I think exclusive to this project. Like I haven't seen any other project that just has to interact with so many other projects um, in such a meaningful way. So it's just, it's just really cool to see. And I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. And just to kind of echo both of you for a sec, uh, when the embargo does open up, I think, I think that, that part of the narrative is like the strongest piece. It's like, this is fundamentally changing what Doge can do. Like when Chad was uh, going on about that on the, on last week's base, I was getting so fired up and it's like that piece I think is going to be really important to just put out there and like spread the word on that. It's like, this is changing what Doge can actually do. It's, uh, it's so crazy. Yeah. By the way, like when you have a currency, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about, fiat or, or crypto, whatever. If you can't exchange it for another currency, then it's like pretty much a, a valueless thing, right? So if your only way of, of exchanging a Doge asset, Dogecoin, is through a centralized exchange, then, then that highly limits the, the currency as a whole, 
right? And like, so when, when we when we saw our first Dex be kind of born, uh, was it like four years ago, whatever it was, five years ago? On I think it was Evie was the very first one, maybe Bancor was first, maybe. But like that idea just like revolutionized the industry in general. And meanwhile, Doge has been kind of like left in the in the dust in a sense, right? And so when we actually do this and we actually launch it, and you know, uh, over the weekend. Um, that's going to be, it's going to be a new um, step forward in, in self-sovereignty that we haven't seen before and allowing more assets and more ecosystems to be self-sovereign and, and, and have their own uh, liberty without needing to go through um, the requirement of centralized entities to give them approval to be able to move their assets around. Like imagine if Ripple, for example, right? And you can hate Ripple, you can love it, it doesn't really matter. But they went through this whole SEC thing about a year ago Right. And all of a sudden the price went down significantly because all of a sudden their ability to actually exchange that asset for another asset was threatened. Right. Because all the exchange, centralized exchanges like, oh, we're not going to touch just like Coinbase. It's like we're not going to trade Ripple anymore. And if you have Ripple on our systems, we're not going to give it back to you or some fucking crazy shit kind of went down. Right. But imagine if Ripple actually was integrated with ThorChain and all of a sudden you could, you could always maintain the ability to move in and out of that system. That changes the, the the calculus of the, the the value of that asset quite significantly. And so, if the SEC has another uh, investigates Doge for some reason, I don't know why it would, but just say that it did, like it, it wouldn't affect the price nearly as much as it did for Ripple a year ago, right? That's that's partially why this is so significant. Yeah, and I think a part of that is um, doing our job as a community to to educate all those users, um, you know, about how to get off of centralized exchanges and like what the importance of that is because like you're saying like if you're kind of fully reliant on that well then sort of defeats the whole purpose of everything we're trying to do here with crypto yeah absolutely 100%. any other uh comments on doge before unless you guys want to move on to the um some other topics move it on yeah let's move All it right. on so Let's get into, uh, there was the update on the emission curve this week. So, um, yeah, Chad, do you want to explain that? Yeah. So, um, the emission curve is basically the idea of uh, how, uh, how fast or how much assets room gets emitted into the, into the ecosystem from the reserve, right? So, like, Bitcoin has a mission curve, right? So, every time you mine new block, new Bitcoins are minted and they're put out to the ecosystem to increasing the short term supply of, of Bitcoin and, you know, everything kind of ensues from that point. And so similarly, Thorchain has its own mission of room from the reserve. It's not being mined in the same sense of, of, of Bitcoin, but it, there's just a giant reserve of, I forget, I think it's like 180 million room or whatever the number is, forget what it is, but some, you know, multi-billion dollar uh, thing. And so it, there's a curve that a mathematical number that kind of dictates how fast that is emitted, you know, on every block. <clears throat> and in Bitcoin's case, it's like they have the halving every four years and it changes the number of their coins mined, uh, uh, minted every um, 10 minutes or so, approximately 10 minutes. And in Thorchain's case, it just, it's more of it's emitting, it's emitting every block every five seconds and it's changing the number that's emitting uh, to slightly decrease it each time, more or less. And so that kind of that, that room that gets emitted gets put into the pools and gets given to the node operators to kind of to get, kind of uh, juice the yield in a sense um, and, and increase the circulating supply of the asset. 
and reward those people who are participating in the network, the ones who are actually contributing value to the success of this network in a sense. So that's a, that's pretty, um, a big thing. And so the question becomes, well, how fast do you want to admit it, right? You have this kind of, um, uh, balance you got to strike right between juicing the yield of you know and rewarding people who are participating in the network and you know and also you know if you're dumping a bunch of room onto the market you know you're probably going to have a sell pressure right if you're looking to earn more money they're going to sell that you know it's just the same thing with you know any asset for that matter but um, so the community had to come together to figure out what that number was and, the, and so there was a poll and a conversation had discord where the community had to determine that the yield target yield should be around 30% for the pools, right? So that's why the, the admission curve was, was, was changed to the number that it is now, is it kind of hit that target that the community felt um, was, you know, the target goal. But there's an important kind of difference here about the emission curve for us versus the emission curve in other assets like, you know, Union and Comp or Sushi. And that is, is that, if you remember back a few years ago when Sushi was first launched, they, they kind of introduced to some idea, idea, the idea of like liquidity mining, meaning that you add liquidity to Sushi and it rewards you with Sushi tokens. And at the time, everybody thought it was like going to be the next big thing because they really effectively did a vampire attack against Uni where they just sucked out all the liquidity out of Uni. It was a vast majority of it and then sucked into their own uh, Sushi smart contract. Like, almost overnight. It was like crazy to see. It was like, I don't know if people have been around long enough for that, but that was like a, a, a monumental moment in some ways. And so people thought that was going to be huge, but what we now realized years later after watching the economics play out is that having a token that you just kind of jump into the market is actually not a great idea because you don't want to just give away a, a, to a, a, a free money and then have people just dump it on the market because there's no reason to hold a lot of these liquidity mining tokens, you know, because there's no value accrual. Like there's no reason why you'd want to hold it other than just to receive it on as, as a bonus and then dump it on the open market. But Rune obviously is very different from that. Like it's not just a, a free token people just dumping on the market and then whatever. It actually has, the asset itself has good reason to hold. You need to use it for node operating. You need to use it to add liquidity to the network. You got sometimes use it for swapping. Like there's a whole different reasons why you'd want to to hold the asset and how the the buy pressure of the asset goes up as we you know have synthetics and thorify and add liquidity like all these things create buy pressure on the rune asset so there's all these reasons why you want to hold it and that's why it doesn't have the same shortfalls as some of these other liquidity mining tokens so to kind of like summarize that in a really simple way would you say is this is correct is like in thorchain the the value adders are the the nodes that are bonding and the liquidity poolers and they're part of that incentive is coming from this uh reserve emissions and basically so now this is shifting uh more of those rewards are coming sooner so that there's more incentive to grow the security of the network more incentive to deepen the liquidity so that's kind of like the point here right yeah that's basically the point i mean you can really look at it as in like if you are a miner of bitcoin right? You're a Bitcoin miner. You are getting two incomes as a miner. You're getting block rewards from the network itself. And then you're also getting, you know, transaction fees from people like sending Bitcoin from address A to address B. And so this is very similar to that. You're getting block rewards from the network itself. And then you're also getting rewards from the swaps happening on the network itself. And so it's basically conceptually similar to that. 
And so, yes, right. So as we change the emission curve number, we're increasing the amount of basic uh, room that gets emitted into the into the ecosystem to these LPs and to these nodes to give them more rewards for participating in the network. That's great. And that, that also uh, that, that boosts APYs. That also increases the amount of room that's locked on the network for security for the nodes and uh, just as a, a pairing asset in the pool. So... Um, and it, it, like, even though the, the, um, the emissions curve was doubled, uh, like there's still a, a huge amount of runway on like the total amount of, of rune in the reserve, right? As you said before, I think it's, it, it's well over a billion dollars. Yeah. And, it, and that'll go on for like well over a hundred years and technically it goes on for forever because even so, even if you even if the reserve had no source of income, which it does, it actually has a few. But assuming that it doesn't, just for one second, like it's that emission curve will go on for I think it's like a hundred and something years. I can't remember the exact number. Depending on how, it, it definitely goes on forever. Because well, not ever because it, there's only eight or some points it can get over. But it goes on for an extremely long time. But in addition to that, the reserve is actually making more income. It's actually every time there's a swap. It gets a little bit of ruin sent to the reserve with a little bit of a kind of a tip in a sense to the network itself. And so because there's always income to it, it'll basically go literally forever. Right. Um, all right. So let's talk about, um, it's kind of related actually, uh, node, uh, node Mamir. So the emissions curve was, was changed with Mamir, correct? So let's talk about, um, like I guess first off, what Mamir is, and then uh, what it means that nodes now have control of it. Yeah, so Mamir is like basically a way to configure the network in a, in a live way, right, without making an actual code change. So there's like all these configuration values within the code here, there, and everywhere. And so Mamir has the ability to make it to make a change of a configuration, right? It can't like withdraw funds or anything like this, or or anything kind of crazy and anything that the Mimir can do, it can be undone without any losses to anybody. So it's not nothing that's like dangerous in that sense, but it's just so with the, the, the devs want to put um, some training wheels on the network. So if there's something goes awry, something doesn't happen, right? Like, like we saw in the past where there's like a, a, a bug in the code where, you know, and we needed to, you know, halt trading, for example, uh, the, there's an ability to do so immediately just to protect the network from, you know, uh, and protecting networks funds. And originally it was called Mimir because Mimir is a character in Norse mythology who at the end of his story gets his head chopped off. And so it's always was designed from the beginning to be a temporary thing. Okay, while the network's kind of getting getting it on its feet and getting, getting stabilized and mature and all these things, we want to add some kind of, you know, training wheels in a sense to make sure that if something happens, we can react quickly. And, it, and on multiple occasions, it has saved the network from, you know, loss of funds on, on, all the time. Like, it's happened a bunch of times, especially in the beginning when we were first trying to get churning right and all this kind of stuff. And so, like, it's hugely valuable in that sense. But what we underestimated was that it's actually hugely valuable even after, even after, you know, five years into the future. It's still helpful to be able to enable chains like Doge, for example, and use it for other purposes other than, um, you know, uh, even, even the idea of, like, being able to feature flag certain features on and off, right? That's actually a very useful thing. So actually a way to to pull the community and pull the node operators more accurately 
and uh, enable a new feature that just was, you know, released in the code, but disabled by default, right? Which is exactly what happened with what's happening now, actually, with the whole, uh, you know, no, no rewards being rel relative to bond or just being a flat uh, equal amount for each one. So, so the idea was uh, originally we were just going to kill Namir entirely, but then we realized how valuable it was to the network and how helpful it was. So I think the idea now, as we just as we just released in version seventy eight, I think it was, uh, that that the nodes themselves now have the most authoritative stance on Mamir. Mamir admin still exists; it can still make changes. But once the node Mamir say, "Okay, this is the value of this you know Mamir setting," that's what it is. Mamir admin can't undo what the network gets consensus on. Um, and so that, I think this is going to be really helpful in the future as we kind of roll out new features. And new capabilities that the and new networks and all these things that the nodes will uh, eventually start taking over responsibility of, of maintaining that and uh, enabling things and disabling things or changing the configuration of the emission curve or whatever else in the community wants to do. It also means node operator consensus gets the final say on like what's what's the rule of law in the network. Yeah. And right now there's this proposal for um, weighted. Uh, node rewards for basically how much rune you have bonded the more like up to a up to a certain cap so uh how's that vote going by the way are, are they uh are we moving to uh weighted rewards uh let me look real quick so right now there is uh 17 votes and uh two is for keeping it the same what it is now and then uh 15 is for changing it to be bond weighted That's pretty skewed. <laughs> yeah, so, sounds like that'll be going through. It's awesome but, to hear. Go ahead. But it, it, but it requires everybody to vote, though. Not everybody to vote, but we need at least, you know, I'm not sure if the numbers something had like 40-something uh, people to vote um, to change it. So the so it, it, not, it may not pass, even though it's getting, you know, 15 to, to 2 ratio right now. doesn't mean it's necessarily passing. If, if people just choose not to vote, then it won't. It won't pass. So, is it two thirds to um, to have a majority? Yep, two thirds. Remember, two thirds is a, I think we have about sixty-one nodes or whatever the number is right now, and so two thirds of that would well, the number that is. Got it. Why? Why would you think that is that some are? Has it just not been open long enough, or do you think they some just don't care to vote on certain things? Like, how, how do you think that know. will play out? Your your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> a notification to the to, to the node operators to do so and. Some have showed up and do so, and some have not. And but it's you know it's their prerogative to vote because if they basically by not voting, they're they're voting just to keep the current status. Is another way of looking at it, right? right? And the the emission curve was that was that the first thing voted this way, or is it the bond weighting that's the first? Bond weighting is the first. The emission Got curve it. was changed before seventy eight came out, I think. Cool. Well, yeah. So it's it's awesome to see you know such a important step towards ultimately decentralizing the decision making on these like big network changes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're going to be moving towards. Let's not hope we're moving towards that in the future. I think Doge is not going to be done by Node Mirror. It's going to be. I mean, Admin's going to be doing that one just because it's the first, and we want to have a smooth rollout and all this kind of stuff. But I think maybe going into the future, we'll, we'll ask the the nodes to to enable or disable trading for the new asset, like Terra, for example, or whatever help. Right. That kind of plays in with what, what Pluto was saying. It's like the, the code can be live, but ultimately in the future, the decision will be when the nodes like actually vote and actually enable it, right? 
Right, right. I just want to say real quick that I pinned a I, I pinned the announcement tweet uh, for uh, this space up on the top of this space. So if you have uh, questions and you don't want to come up on stage, we'll, we'll open up for questions uh, after we talk about uh, one or two more things. Um, so if you have questions and you don't want to raise your hand to come up on stage, um, just you know comment in the uh, in the comment section of that pinned tweet that's right up on the top of this space. You'll see it. And uh, yeah, favorite the favorite the things that you want us to talk about, and then we'll get uh, we'll get some opinions from uh, Chad B and Pluto. Also, Finn Blue, I see you requested. We'll let you up after um, we're done talking. So cool. Yeah, sounds perfect. Yeah, we have a few more things, so we can uh, maybe yep. spend a little less time on each of these next ones. Um, let's get into the aggregators and, and that new uh, push. Yeah, so this is actually something that's, uh, I see this as something that's like uh, quite huge because, so the idea is that uh, it's like a, it's a DEX aggregator, right? So it allows you in a single transaction to move across multiple DEXs, right? Across multiple chains, potentially even, right? So um, we'll start with this, the simple case first, right? So uh, Sushi, for example, could add support for ThorChain in its core protocol. And so you can go to Sushi's, you know, UI or whatever, and you can say, oh, I want to, I have Ethereum or I have USDT and I want to swap to Bitcoin. Um, and so what I mean, what ends up happening is uh, Sushi will swap the USDT to Ethereum and then send the Ethereum to, to ThorChain using its memo system and all that kind of stuff. And then set the Bitcoin to the BC1 address that the person, you know, requested. And so then all of a sudden, like Sushi itself supports you know five, you know four more chains and or five more chains than it did yesterday which makes their you know product much more you know uh valuable but in the reality you know it's actually using throw change of power at all and, but all of a sudden you have this massive trade volume that sushi already has today there's all of a sudden they show up in their uis and like oh hey i can now swap to bitcoin and sushi that's amazing i'm gonna go ahead and start doing that like right that's the natural thing to happen so we're going to pull upon the communities of Sushi and, you know, uh, TerraSwap and, and, you know, whatever else out there who wants it in one inch. And they're going to start, you know, channeling um, traffic, channeling trades uh, through ThorChain, which I think is going to be absolutely gigantic. Uh, and it goes the other way around, too. So, like, in ThorChain, you'll be able to – even we don't support some ERC-20, right? The, you know, the network, say, um, like, WBC isn't supported quite yet, and you want to swap – Bitcoin and WBC, uh, ThorChain will be able to allow that. It's through swapping your BDC to Ethereum using ThorChain and then sending the ETH um, to um, Sushi or whatever to swap to BDC and then it gets sent to your OX address. And that's all done in a single transaction. Well, you're creating one transaction, which is called a, multi a chain reaction of multiple transactions, but theoretically that's totally possible. Or you could even go more complicated route of like, starting with some CW20 token on, on, on Terra, swapping through Terra swap to, you know, UST, UST gets sent to ThorChain, swaps it to ETH, ETH gets swapped to, sent over to Sushi to go to WBDC. And so then you have this like multi, three DEXs involved to move from some, you know, AUST a asset on Terra to, you know, uh, WBDC on Ethereum, all in a single transaction. Meanwhile, ThorChain is like in the middle of it all, kind of being the middleman to help facilitate all this trading 
and have it be feasible and possible to do all that kind of stuff. So that's like, I'm super excited about this feature. I think it's going to be super killer and it's going to draw a massive volume uh, into the network for sure. I totally agree. Yeah, I think this is one of the things I'm most excited about at the moment. Like just kind of seeing these, uh, like seeing Rango uh, pick up some traction lately. And um, and also, so like um, if, if Sushi doesn't implement this themselves, they're kind of just shooting themselves in the foot, right? Because somebody, some other aggregator can still just route through Sushi and like, you know, get their little fee on that, right? And so it seems like there will be a lot of incentive for them to, to offer this or else just everyone else is going to offer this, like, Rango, uh, ThorSwap, XDeFi, like probably tens or hundreds of other ones over time. So it's, it seems like there will be a lot of incentive to offer everything or else you'll just get left behind because why would you just go to an ERC-20 DEX when you can just go to an everything-to-everything everything DEX? Right. That, that, that's kind of a great thing about it. So like every DEX will be everything DEX. <laughs> that's what, yeah. It's like you can, you can get any asset you want on any DEX of your choosing so it just becomes like every dex is basically the the same, and that's a good thing. Like actually, yeah, it simplifies the fuck out of everything that we're all all using today. Is we don't have to like understand. Oh, there's 13 different dexes to choose from. They all have different X, Y, and Zs. But now it just like becomes a, a simpler choice. I mean, there's still differences between them all, and you can still learn about what the differences between one inch and sushi, and why you'd want to use one over the other. Blah blah. blah. But but still, like it, it makes this idea that any. Any asset on any chain to any asset on any chain, pretty much on any deck that you're choosing. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually makes a DEX the definition of a DEX. Because imagine if you had to go to like a different centralized exchange for like for Cosmos, for Ethereum, for like like it wouldn't make any sense. Whereas like this is actually gonna allow a true like a true decentralized exchange, like anything to anything. So cool. Yeah. The funny thing is that in one direction, going from like sushi to Thorchain, and that kind of what we call a swap in. So you're swapping, you're going from sushi and swapping into Thorchain, and the Thorchain setting up the BC or whatever the asset is. Uh, that's already supported today, technically, right? All you need is an aggregator, which we've already written that code. It's already being worked on and, and, and being tested by Thorswap today. It's already being. Um, uh, I think it's probably even, might even be working, I'm not even sure. It doesn't require any changes with ThorChain in order to, for that situation to work. The other direction requires some changes, but it's, it's pretty minimal changes. It's actually surprisingly minimal uh, how you know simple it is. It's only like a four-line change in ThorNode and maybe a 50-line change in uh, Bifrost. It's actually quite simple. And then you can support cross-dex cross ex exchanges in any in any direction like that's it's pretty incredible one of the one of the questions i have um is whether this new aggregator and just this new mindset um if this would allow, cause us to reevaluate whether erc20s belong on thorchain at all um and i say that because you know if we had a deeper pool of, of L1 ETH, like assume all of the liquidity that was on, you know, random ERC-20s on ThorChain today was put into ETH, um, the price you get for Bitcoin to ETH is better. And then when you go from, the aggregator goes from ETH to whatever ERC-20 on, you know, whatever other downstream DEX has the best price, the end user is going to get the best deal that way. And so I think it just, it, to me, it seems like this naturally will cause us to phase out ERC-20s being pooled on ThorChain. Can you, can you, do you see that ever happening? Uh, it's possible. 
Um, like what would be the use case for having, you know, a, a perp pool um, with like 1 million in liquidity on Thorchain when like the perp pool on, you know, SushiSwap has 20 million in liquidity? Like there's just really no point to having no, that no, on I, Thorchain. I, I think there's a point. So um, Storefy is, in my opinion, it's going to be doing things that nobody else has done or in some cases can do in the industry. And so if you have an a, a ERC-20 pool, let's call it PERP or UST or whatever, um, and then you then you have access to Thorify features for that asset, fixed rate income uh, on Thor savings, lending, all this kind of stuff, and being able to, to use those things is actually very, very, very valuable. You're right in the sense of like, if it was just the AMM by itself, it might be more efficient in some ways just to focus the, you know, the liquidity on the, on the gas assets of the different chains. But uh, in our context, I think because we're moving towards Thorify and everything, like we're doing things that nobody else really can do. And so we, we probably, I don't know, the community can, can vote on it. Whether they want to remove your C20s and focus on the, just the, the primary assets. It would be more secure too. Like you don't not have to deal with smart contracts in the same way. Uh, we would still need an ETH router even if we did just do ETH for, reasons that I don't want to necessarily get into right now, but uh, I still see value in it though, having your C20s or even CW20s. Also, yeah, when no, you, you're right. You're right. I actually hadn't, I wasn't thinking about it from the four or five perspective. That makes sense. Also, yeah. wouldn't it always have like basically double the gas fees to do that because you'd be doing two ETH swaps or is that not right? Uh, well, the gas fees would be, would be um, slightly cheaper if you if you were doing ERC twenties on Thorchain, the reason why that is is because um, you're going to if you did the Dex thing, the cross cross Dex thing, you would swap your Bitcoin for ETH, and then we would send the ETH to the smart contract uh, to be able to do it, and then that smart contract would have a, a, actually no, like technically it was actually coming out of the uh, out of the um, the transaction itself. Yeah, that's gonna make that's gonna make gas more complicated because. Gas is calculated now just through how much we think that a transfer is going to cost. But a sushi transaction is, is a bit more variable in some sense. So I actually have to think about that more, about how we're going to calculate the amount of gas we're going to have to take away from the ETH. Like how much ETH we have to with, withhold from you in order to pay for the gas that the network needs to pay in order to send your ETH to sushi and that whatever cost that's going to be. And to do so in a way that, you know, the the gas prices don't rocket all of a sudden under, underneath us and cause you know the network to be at a slight loss because of it. That's going to be a bit complicated to figure out. Come to think of it, but we'll figure something out. Uh, Chad, for time, do you is there anything you want to quickly say on planned obsolescence or the retirement of Ethan Beth Rune, or should we should we skip over those? Um, I mean, neither one of those two things are happening anytime soon, so there's no. Um, you know, pressure to talk about. I mean, so I mean they're, they're still going to both have uh, probably, I mean, playing off as obsolescence is definitely going to happen at some point. I don't know when that's going to be, hopefully by the end of the year, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, the retiring of ETH Rune and BEP2 Rune is, in my mind, it's still being debated whether or not we want to kind of force that retirement or not. I think there's some people who are for it and some people who are against it. Um, we just wanted to float the idea to the community, kind of get, get percolating in the back of their minds to think about that and 
different mechanisms and ways of how we can accomplish it. But that's not happening anytime soon either. So uh, no one's in a rush to do that. We just want to have a plan so that we can kind of shed the old world, the old design, the old system, single chain case and all those things off of the network and simplify things and make it much more focused um, as, a, as a protocol. And so we'll do that at some point, but there's no, no, there's no need to rush it by any stretch of imagination. The last thing I want to talk about before we go to the questions, uh, the Twitter questions and uh, whoever wants to raise their hand and come up on stage, you could do so now. But last thing I want to talk about is uh, synths. When we can look forward to synths in the start of ThorFi, because ThorFi is something that we're, we've all been looking forward to for months and months now. Synths are the backbone of ThorFi. So, um, yeah. What's the status? The, the, since has, the code of synths has been in the code since we launched multi-chain you know, back in April. <laughs> it's been sitting there. It was waiting to be enabled. And technically, now that node mirrors exist, node mirrors can go ahead and choose to enable it today if they really wanted to, and that they could do that if they saw fit. Um, the thing we're waiting for right now is is uh, the Nine Realms team is working on, and if, I don't know if Pluto knows any particular knowledge of this, and he can speak to it if he chooses, but um, the Nine Realms team is putting together a Thor Games uh, to kind of create this test environment where um, the community can start banging on uh, the sense feature, try to mint this, burn that, do some crazy wacky shit, like just throw a chaos monkey at it to see what kind of falls apart, what breaks, um, so that we can expose any you know problems or bugs that might be in it before we actually launch it on, on, on ChaosNet, mainnet. Um, so I think the team is now over nine months been focused on, you know, light nodes and Doge and Terra and all these other things that kind of have been uh, taking their attention away from, from Thor games, but I'm sure it's going to be starting up at some point in the near future. But I don't, I don't have a specific timeline for it. Maybe, maybe Pluto does. Yeah, I can, I can give a quick update on that. So, um, yeah, basically we enabled, um, uh, synths in StageNet. Um, like one or two weeks ago and ThorSwap is currently working on adding um, synth support to the StageNet ThorSwap UI. Uh, so basically once that's live, we're going to publish and begin the Thor games, which is, which is essentially a, it's like a play on words of uh, war games. Um, but there will be like three different tiers of rewards for people who are able to produce an observable exploit on synths in StageNet. Um, the reason why StageNet is a good venue for this kind of experiment is because the the pool depths um, are, are are really small, so it's actually pretty easy to like move the pool price in one direction with with, with one trade. So it would be easier to simulate. Um, it would be easier to simulate basically like um, an, an attack using like a, a supply attack or something like that, or a price or a depth attack. Um, I don't really know like what those, you know, what the, what the community is going to come up with there, but it'll be really interesting to see what, you know, what happens when Thorsec starts banging on it. Um, when, when the community starts banging on it. So yeah, we'll, we'll release some, um, some guidelines for Thor games and, and probably get those underway in the next week or two uh, and then probably run those for a week or two. So I think like, um, you know, realistically we could see since being activated in, in about one month from now. Uh, assuming that there's no like you know like you know giant <laughs> vulnerability with them that we haven't um, considered yet. Awesome! Thank you for the update, Pluto. 
Um, I guess we can open to questions now. I can. We'll start with the uh, with people who've been waiting to come up on stage, and then I will answer, and then we'll we'll pose some of the uh, the Twitter questions out there. Let me let's get some people up on stage here. Finn Blue, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Very good. So quick question uh, for Chad. You had mentioned that uh, the emissions curve is set now to eight years, but also that it'll last for 100 years. Is it essentially, just to test my understanding, that it's kind of a rolling eight years where the calculation today is based on the reserve position today and therefore the emissions is going to be the reserve divided by you know, eight years and that's the rewards that'll be given? Um, and then tomorrow there's going to be new inflows and outflows. So the calculation kind of gets reset for another eight years. Is that how it, it kind of is both eight years yet infinite at the same time? Well, it's not, it's not eight years. The, the eight number that it's currently set to has nothing to do with number of years. So that's just completely decoupled from that. Um, it's basically, if I remember correctly, at the top of my head, I think it is. It's like the the total amount of ruins in supply divided by the emission curve number, divided by the number of blocks per year. And so that that creates, if you kind of graph that out, it creates like a, a graph that asymptotes to to zero over a long time over over the long, long term. Uh, but the number eight has nothing to do with the number of years. This is something I saw on the chatter and, and Discord uh, a little while ago. It has nothing to do with that. Eight has nothing to do with time or years. It's just, it's just how fast you want to admit ruin to, into the community. Um, the original design was actually focused on trying to keep it about similar to Bitcoin's emission curve in terms of how fast Bitcoin gets you know, admitted into the community. Um, and so we might go back to that, or I'm not even sure what it is now. To be honest, I have to do the math again to, do, to, to, to remind myself. I haven't done that math since like a year and a half ago or something else. <laughs> so like a long time ago. Uh, maybe, yeah, about a year and a half ago. It's been a long time. So Ch Chad, I, I was just, I, I was the one who said, I was the one who said eight years because based on my understanding of the code, uh, if you if you were to take the current protocol reserve size and then basically what, what we were trying to calculate is the amount of um, rune that should be emitted into uh, liquidity pools and to node, into the node pools uh, in every block. And so the reason why number of blocks per year is used in there is because you're essentially saying if you divide the protocol reserve by the emission curve by the number of blocks per year, that will essentially give you how much rune should be emitted in this block if all of the other things were static, meaning there was no inflows, no outflows, um, there was no fees being garnered by the system, that if we were just to continue emitting at exactly this rate with these many um, with, th with these many um, nodes uh, and with this amount of protocol reserve, that it would be exhausted in eight years. That's kind of, that's kind of what that formula is saying. Now, obviously, that's not true in, 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 in reality because the number of nodes uh, will, will reach 100. Um, so, you know, the, um, the number of nodes that you're splitting the, re the reward with will, will go down. Um, and also the, the protocol reserve will constantly be topped up um, from, from swap fees as well. So it has the potential to last much longer than eight years. But if all of the things were equal and we were just emitting, emitting, emitting every block, um, the protocol reserve would be exhausted after, after however many blocks, you know, 500 
five, I think it's like 5 million something times eight years. That's how many blocks it would take given the current emission curve to exhaust the protocol reserve. That's kind of where the, the year's number came up. Yeah, yeah. So, but that year's number, calling it years just is a misnomer and it confuses the fuck out of people. It's actually not what it is at all because you'd be right. If we took the, um, the current quantity of rune in the reserve and we said, okay, it's, yeah, the number we're going to emit is like one rune per block, blah, 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 whatever. And you said emitted one rune per block for eight years, you'd be right. That's not what's happening at all. It recalculates it on every block. It's not like Bitcoin where it establishes what, how much how much Bitcoin's going to be emitted, and then every four years we change you know we have a halving and we change that by you know a half or blah, blah. That's not how this works. It's, instead of we basically have a halving every single block, and because of that, you don't look at it in terms of eight years blah blah. It's just a really funky, weird way to look at it. it you look at it in the context of this thing asymptotes to zero over well over 100 years, you know, whatever the whole number is. And you can calculate, you, you have to actually, you can get an Excel sheet and actually calculate how long enough she'll take. But um, I just try to push against the idea of saying eight years, well, blah, because it confuses people. Even the, the question that the gentleman was asking, is just like, oh, it's eight years, but it goes forever, but not, but both. Like it becomes a very weird thing. I, so I don't associate that number to be representing quantity of years or anything like that. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Right. If we didn't like do a halving every block effectively or recalculating how much is going to be emitted on every block, then you'd be correct. It'd be eight years. It would be empty and done. But we do a halving every every block, so it changes the the way you look at it. Makes sense. So that's but, that's considering it's like just stays exactly what it is right now, but in reality, it's getting a little smaller, a little smaller, a little smaller. Yeah, every every block will emit slightly less than the previous block. Like this, it's going, it's constantly going smaller, 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 smaller. Every literally every single block that can change once you get to a point where the amount being emitted is less than the amount being um, you know incurred or being uh, added to the reserve through. Uh, Thor names, you know, income or swap income, blah, 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 from all these things. So, like, it, it can change where it, gets, it reaches an equi equilibrium between the amount of room being emitted is equal to the amount of room being put into the system through swaps and Thor names and other uh, mechanisms of income for the reserve. So, uh, it'll just kind of sit there forever. So, it's kind of a funny thing of, like, the reserve is limited. The coin itself is limited, but it has an infinite supply of room in the reserve because it always will reach push towards that equilibrium and just sit there forever. Cool. Great question, Thin Blue. Uh, TJ, do you want to go ahead? TJ, you there? Maybe. You might be gone. Uh, Arno and uh, Decentralized Nonsense want to come up. Let me add them. Hutch as well. Oh, yes, and Hutch. Hutch was up here first. What's up, Hutch? I have a friend who has a lot of Bitcoin from early on and been talking to them about Terra, and they've been wanting to get in, but they don't really want to get in with new money. So I have a two-part question. One is, can you just walk me through what that looks like being relatively new to ThorChain? And then B, if they wanted to do a charitable donation of some of their Bitcoin directly to Angel Protocol, a protocol on Terra, is is would would Part A 
some of that just go directly to angel protocol and they have to set up some kind of interface or some kind of relationship with them first. Maybe you could start with just the, the beginning, just to walk me through the basic process of, of moving some native Bitcoin or swapping it for native Terra. Uh, sure. Um, so how that effectively works, if I, if, I hope I understand your, your question correctly, uh, is that you're taking your Bitcoin, you're sending it to um, a vault or a wallet address that the, the Thorchain network itself has. The network observes those, that transaction and then swaps it for, um, uh, for basically for Rune and then Rune swaps it for the Luna or Terra or whatever, whatever asset you're, you're trying to acquire on the other side and send it to an address if you're choosing. So could, if you wanted to, to do like some donate some you know BDC to get swapped and then sent to you know this angel thing you're referring to, is that possible? Yeah, it probably is possible as long as there's an address to send it to. Um, you can basically swap um, your Bitcoin directly to uh, without even having or owning you know an address on the Terra ecosystem. Um, you can you can do that. Yeah. So it sounds like it sounds like they need a Thorchain wallet first, and and if I heard you correctly, it's it's not a direct swap from Bitcoin to Luna. It's it's Bitcoin to Rune, Rune to Luna, and yeah, but the Rune is is it's handled for you in the back end. So you actually don't need a Thorchain wallet per se. You don't need to hold Rune. You don't need to have a Thor address. That's actually not required. All the only thing that's required to do what you're what you're asking for mm -hmm. is that you can sign a transaction, format it correctly on the Bitcoin blockchain. That's the only requirement. Just to add to that a little bit, um, just like how it will look from the user's perspective, uh, Hutch, I know you're like probably very familiar with stuff like uh, TerraSwap or, or SushiSwap. So it'll really yeah. just look like that. Like you'll just, and you won't even need Rune to do it. You'll just go, but this is not live yet. Keep in mind, we're talking like a month out. You could use something like Rango Exchange to probably route it less efficiently uh even right now which would have some thor chain steps in there but no, i would um, wait i would wait yeah so soon it'll be able to go like effectively to the user it'll look like you're just going bitcoin to luna like directly and then the, with these aggregators they'll have like the cw20s that would uh do the additional swap like it'll it'll be baked into one transaction but that is i guess sort of technically oh, not the core thor chain swap I got it in the background. Yeah, Chad, thanks. You were the one that really turned me on to this. I started uh, buying some some Rune in this last tip because of the space you did with Shigio. Hey, so since you know Terra, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, thanks. Uh, with with the with the with the Angel Protocol, so if somebody wanted to do a charitable donation and say they had whatever an account or a relationship at Angel Protocol, however that looked like, essentially what you just described would just happen, and they would just authorize the transaction to go from their Bitcoin private keys to whatever their account or whatever that looks like an angel protocol that could easily happen. Correct. Yeah. On their end, it would just look like they're basically sending a Bitcoin transaction out. And I guess they, in their case, they wouldn't be getting anything in return because they'd be putting somebody else's recipient address on the other end. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, it's, it, possible in theory for sure. Cool. Thanks a lot guys. Thank you. Uh, Arno, do you have a question? Uh, good morning. Yes, I do. Um, thank you for bringing me up. 
uh, I'm new to Thorchain and I'm really, really excited about um, Thorchain bringing DeFi to Dogecoin. Um, I know you guys are working right now on incorporating it. And I believe uh, you mentioned that, you know, very soon um, uh, it'll be up like by the end of this weekend. Now, I know we're not, you know, we're not going to blow this up and uh, make a big deal out of it. uh, But my question is, how will you address the issue of even though Doge will be brought to Thorchain really soon, um, there aren't many wallets that will support that. So, like for somebody like me who is waiting to provide liquidity for Doge, um, how would I go around uh, to doing that? If if like I, I personally I use uh, Thor Wallet for instance, but uh, more broadly, like are you guys working with like um, partners to actually incorporate? Um, you know, this capability to, you know, partner wallets um, so we can actually go ahead and uh, provide liquidity and get this ball uh, rolling. And then I have a second question. Well, two more, but I don't know if I should split it up into sections and allow you to answer or should I just blurt them out there? Probably one at a time. <laughs> yeah, I can I can take that one. So the question of wallet integrations is, you know, one that comes up a lot and, um, you know, we really have to strike a balance between being like a, um, a neutral protocol and letting the front ends kind of duke it out to provide the best wallet support because ultimately that competition will lead to the best outcome and lead to the, you know, the, the, the best product supporting the most number of wallets. Um, and we want to balance that with being able to have that sort of day one support um, where wallet integrations allow the most number of users to kind of take advantage of the new pools. So it is kind of like a balance that we need to strike. Um, we, you know, as protocol developers will work with, um, you know, and coordinate with uh, front ends to support, you know, whatever wallets necessary. So like, for example, with Terra, um, we're going to make sure that there's wallet connect support on day one for, um, for, you know, at least for ThorSwap. Um, and um and potentially like the other the other guys as well um x defi and uh and 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 defi spot as well so um you know basically as long as you can as long as a front end can support wallet connect they can connect to any cosmos chain so that's obviously something we're going to encourage every ui to adopt is like is wallet connects that they can just get all of the trust users that hold you know luna ust and all of the um terra station users as well, which is that makes up the lion's share of, of Terra um, holders. So yeah, we, there, there is a lot, you know, there is some analysis that we have to do to figure out, you know, what are the you know, prevalent wallets in this ecosystem and how can we get those supported? Um, the unfortunate fact of the matter is that like Doge is and has never been tooled for DeFi. So, um, you know, they don't, they don't. They, as a community, have not invested in wallet support. They, they, they. they <laughs> if you go to their docs, they, the way they tell you to get a wallet is to like literally build the Dogecoin software and like, like as if I were telling you to like go run make install from the Thornode repo and use like the Thorchain CLI to transact. Like no one's gonna freaking do that. So you know the fact of the matter is right now most people just hold their Doge on centralized exchanges. Um, so while there's some things that we can do to coordinate like wallet. Um, integration and wallet support day one for certain chains like Terra. There's other ecosystems like Doge that are kind of like hopeless in that regard. Um, and so it's really up to us as like ThorChain to usher these new 
um, the, these chains that are not really like DeFi native into this new era of multi-chain. Um, and so I would be, you know, really um, interested to see um, like ex-DeFi wallet, Thor wallet adding support for Doge so that um, then, you know, their UIs, but also other UIs um, can, can start integrating those so that um, the key store is not their only option. But, so to, but to answer your question about like Doge in particular, it's really up to us as a, as a ThorChain community to show them the way about how, you know, what multi-chain is all about. Um, you know, even with, even with um, you know, Bitcoin and other UTXO chains, we run into the same issue with Ledger. Um, you can't really sign arbitrary um, transactions or UTXO chains from a ledger, which is why you still don't see Bitcoin support um, on on ThorSwap, for example. Um, I'm told that there might be some workarounds to this. I might not be. I might not have the full picture on on exactly what chains are. In, you know what? Uh, sorry, what? Yeah, what chains and like um, different technologies are supported by different wallets. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things with Dogecoin where it's like, unfortunately, we are constrained to key stores um, for for launch here and hopefully other projects will add support um, to their wallets um, you know as time goes on but I can I can definitely tell you that as far as Terra we have a much better plan like we can use uh, wallet connect to get uh, uh, trust and Terra station from day one so that that should be pretty easy but again it's like we want to we want to strike a balance between getting being neutral and like getting just getting the pool up and running which is what you know thorchain's core thorchain doesn't care what you, what your wallet is how you transact with it it just it it just is responsible for like moving funds from liquidity pools to users and vice versa so you know in so far as that like we want to remain neutral but we also want to optimize for that that sort of launch experience as well so um you know doge is and that, that again is why we emphasize like the need for UIs to kind of explain like what is Thorchain, what is you know what is this UI, and how do you use this UI to transact Doge. That's going to be important because you know users coming from the Doge ecosystem aren't really set up for that mindset, and so we need to kind of transition them. Users coming from Terra, on the other hand, will already be familiar with all of these things, and so it'll be much easier. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge. Right. And I'll just uh, I'll just add real quick. Um, just take a look at ThorSwap. Uh, there's going to be guides put out on exactly how to set up this key store wallet uh, and how to go from centralized exchange with Doge all the way down to liquidity pooling on ThorChain potentially, or just holding it there. But um, yeah, that's coming and might not be your preferred wallet, but that's that's going to be the only one immediately at least. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, I mean, um, right now. Uh, a couple of gentlemen in our in the Doge community are um, we're trying to bring um, like kind of like raise awareness since um, Doge is being added to Thorchain now, that's 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 huge for Doge. Uh, I mean, it literally is super exciting to you know to have DeFi be brought to Doge. So uh, we will work on like educating and informing uh, members of uh, our community about this new uh, tech that's available to us um, on. I believe on Sunday at some point we'll have a, a space with the um, with the founder of Thor Wallet, and that's when we will probably uh, speak to him and see if we can get uh, you know um, those support added as soon as possible. Obviously, because a lot of people are um, you know ready to leave centralized exchanges. I mean, Robinhood is allowing um, well slowly rolling out wallets, and those people are going to want to go somewhere and 
being able to have um, you know passive income on a decentralized um, network, I think that would be amazing. But anyway, um, my second question would be: What is needed to run a ThorChain um, node? I mean, a node on the ThorChain network. Um, is there like a specific place you can uh, point me to uh, learn, or is it something that, in a few words, you can explain? Uh, yeah, there's this docs on docs.thorchain.org. Um, if you scroll on the left side, you can see like running a node is, is in there. But uh, considering it's it's 15 past, and we have you know at least three more questions. You might be can hear the other questions first, and maybe circle back to yours. Absolutely, thank you. Yep. All right, Smith is up here as well. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, super excited to hear about the uh, the planning going on around the marketing around Doge and adding, adding Terra and uh, DEX integrations. And since uh, the, the protocol is a force of nature and very grateful for all the work you're doing on it. Um, I just had one question, which is a little bit longer term. Um, and I wanted to ask about the possibility of having pools in which uh, non-native assets can be paired with uh, a more risk off asset rather than only rune. So maybe something like a, a Thorchain stable coin. Um, and the reason I wanted to ask that is because I think there are probably some Bitcoin and ETH investors who would like to add liquidity, but maybe they're worried we're going into a bear market or they just haven't got used to uh, the idea of rune or the rune asset yet. And so they would prefer to pair their Bitcoin with uh, something less volatile. Uh, and, and I've been doing a bit of digging and I've come across two proposals. Uh, one people will have seen on the GitLab is the idea of having a collateralized stablecoin Thor USD minted with Rune, but that imports issues around algo stablecoins into the protocol and there are risks there. Sorry, I'll be really quick. And the other is um, Schwarm in the Discord, who's a super smart guy, suggested that instead of a stable coin, you could have a product that's a composite, a position that's half rune and half a rune short. So you have a delta neutral position that's paired with your Bitcoin. So you have the benefits of a, a stable coin pair without the risks uh, to the protocol. And both of those would sort of reduce the circulating supply and expand the LP market. And I was just wondering, sort of Chad and Pluto, what you made of those proposals and if there were plans to take any of them forward, obviously after synths and mainnet and so on. Yeah, so the first, the first part of your question is pairing, uh, having a pool without ruins one of the assets, having it be a stable coin plus some other asset. So that is inherently problematic on the ThorChain protocol. And the reason why that is is because um, for every non-native asset, every external asset will be Bitcoins, Tether, UST, or whatnot. If it's being secured by this network, it needs to be paired with Room to ensure its economic security. If you choose another pair, another asset, uh, such as, you know, um, you know uh, some other stable coin that people are familiar with, like USDT or or UST or whatever it might be, uh, you're no longer economically securing that asset that you're, the, the, actually you're not securing either one of those two assets that you're, you're adding to that pool. So that becomes an inherent uh, issue and problem with it. The other thing you have to consider is that um, having a pool where one asset is stable and one asset is non-stable 
is likely to have a, a very high amount of impermanent loss in either a bear market or a bull market. Maybe if, anything, if you're in a sideways market, um, it, it would be fine, but crypto doesn't, doesn't generally move in sideways motions. Uh, so you have to think about that. So the network takes on the impermanent loss risk, not you as a, as a LP, right? And we made that determination because uh, the yield in the network is high enough where we can be um, the, the the import loss is not significant enough to to be a problem. But if we start having a bunch of pools, or you know, where you know people are putting UST with BDC or whatever, uh, that becomes uh, a different calculus. And so we might would have to remove impermanent loss protection as part of that because we would be over we'd be exposing the network to more risk if we were to do that, and we might not be okay with that risk, and therefore remove impermanent loss protection either entirely or from those particular pools possibly and that have to be discussed by the community. Thank you. That's, um, that's actually a really clear answer. And um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't suggest ever pairing non-native assets with sort of uh, stable coins that weren't sort of minted with Rune, but at the same time, sorry, I, I take your point. I mean, it, it, it's right. So that the network would be, would be taking on that risk if it's even if it's a sort of delta neutral position. Um, yeah, uh, it, it sort of messes with the the security, uh, the economic security of the protocol. Is is that basically a terminus for that sort of argument? Then is is there any is there a solution, or does the does the the brilliant design also mean that it's pair with Rune uh, long term? Uh, full stop. Well. It- Maybe not, I wouldn't say call it a terminus per, per se, but you'd have to make a very pretty big economically economic change to make it possible and still maintain economic security. For example, uh, if we had a, a native stable coin, right, um, that was um, maybe it was minted from maybe it was kind of like terrorist design, for example, and that you would add your liquidity, sorry, add, add your bond was not ruined. It was. It would be, you know, the stablecoin, for example. Then that might change. You can actually change the the pair act, the base asset to not be a rune. It could be the stablecoin. That's right. That's theoretically possible. That, of course, you know, draws down the leverage and the and the and the yield, uh, the value accrual of the rune asset to some degree. So it, it would require a much larger conversation. It would require a pretty significant economic change. At least my for you putting them in the spot over here. But yeah, but like my first kind of initial knee-jerk reaction is that. Cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Uh, decentralized nonsense is up on stage. Hey, team. Thanks for taking my question. A uh, huge fan of you all. Uh, I joined a little late, so I hopefully didn't miss this question already. But uh, curious about you guys going IBC, enabling IBC, um, especially like, for example, being able to, you know, move Rune, um, and, you know, swap it on the Osmosis decks, for example, or easily be able to um, transfer other, you know, Cosmos tokens through IBC to uh, Rune, for example. Yeah, that's something that's um, it kind of got pushed to the back burner in a sense. We were working on it for months, trying to get IBC to work with liquidity pools directly, and we just um, had many conversations with many different people within the IBC space and just couldn't find a way that worked uh, for us. Uh, so now we just kind of determined that we can just take a, a kind of a cookie cutter 
approach of IBC itself. We had, we, we're going to make some changes to IBC itself in order for it to function under the liquidity pools. But now that we're no longer doing that, and we're just talking about nat uh, native assets only, um, we can just use a, a standard issue, uh, IBC implementation. So it should be pretty easy to implement for some, some degree. And to be honest, we wouldn't, probably wouldn't even implement it to some degree. It would be, um, we'd work with Jack over at uh, uh, Jack Zampolini or Zampolon, I can't remember, pronounce his last name. He probably would, would run the node for us, runs, or at least run solo nodes for us since he's offered to do so. Um, I think we've been pushing off on it in part because we wanted to wait until synthetics came out because then it becomes much more valuable to have IBC because then you can beam your synthetic Bitcoin, your synthetic Ethereum, and your synthetic whatever else to other chains. And then them, those chains using those assets to be able to do derivatives exchanging or uh, whatever. Um, but I suppose we could do just, just ruin, just watch that quickly. I think it wouldn't take that much work to be honest with you. Uh, I have to work with the nine realms team to figure out timing when we can do that, but it's really not that uh, not that bad. All right. Uh, sorry for the people who left the left the queue. Um, Arno, if you want to ask your question again about uh, running a, a Thor node, if uh, well, uh, if Chad would like to elaborate on that, yeah, I I, I would like info, but uh, in to be you know concise in time, I could try to. I I looked a little bit online. I still haven't been able to find much, but. Um, we could also skip that question if you guys prefer. Up to you. Yeah, well, ask, in, ask in well, the DevOps channel in, in the Dev Discord. We can we can try to sort you out. Got it. And then the last thing, uh, and I'll try to keep it quick. I want to imagine a scenario and see if, it, if that's possible. Would it be possible down the road to buy NFTs, let's say, with Doge, even if they're in Ethereum, by having... Um, Thorchain kind of in the background swapping the Doge for Ethereum, giving you the NFT. Um, yeah, because that would that would be an amazing thing to have um, Doge be used uh, for that. Yeah, that with Dex aggregators, I think that becomes possible because you would take your Doge, you send in Thorchain, swapping it for Ethereum um, or Sol, a Sol potentially, depending on what NFT you're trying to buy, um, and then. On the other side, you get sent to some smart contracts on Ethereum that allows you to acquire the NFT or whatnot. Um, it might require a custom DEX aggregator. Um, and in, I, honestly, I, I keep on saying DEX aggregator, but it's really more broad than that. You can technically you can, you know, swap Bitcoin to Thor and then stake that Thor into the Thor, you know, Whatever, like it isn't, it's not just about DEXs. Theoretically, you're, you're just sending an asset to a smart contract. So what that smart contract does after that fact can be another swap. It can be staking. It can be lending. It can be you know who the fuck cares. It can be literally anything you wanted to. And so there needs to be some more design choices that need to be made in terms of the technical side of how to make that viable or possible. But um, it's not that hard to be honest with you to some degree. So yeah, possible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, board Junk Store Club, quick question. No, thanks, bro. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we have a, a Twitter question. Um, thanks for joining. And this is this was the most up upvoted uh, question on 
on Twitter from the Dash community. Um, so if you're from the Dash community, throw those hundreds out in chat. Uh, Dash community is ex- super excited for ThorChain to add Dash. Uh, the work has been done, and Dash is easier to integrate than other chains. We're actively promoting it on Twitter and Discord, but is there anything more we should do to show our community's interest in having Dash added? Basically, what is it that communities need to do to uh, add and promote their chains on ThorChain? Yeah, that's a good question. So up until this point, historically, we've kind of pushed back on people like adding new chains in general, and it's like we're just too focused on stabilization, you know, maturity and all these things to, to put mental cycles towards that kind of stuff. And that's changing with 2022 uh, as we're doing now with Doge and Terra and all these other things. So then it becomes the question of like, how do people put their, you know, their weight behind a particular chain being added to the network? And that's a kind of a complicated thing to some degree. Um, for one is it's, we, um, there's multiple things to evaluate in terms of what we want to add as a community, what we want to add to this, to this network. Um, one is how easy it is to add that chain to the network. If it's a fork of Bitcoin or a fork of Ethereum, it becomes a lot easier and it's kind of a lower hanging fruit for us to add. Uh, and also, you know, what is the economic value that, of that chain? What is the security of that chain? Like there's a bunch of different questions to add. Um, but in terms of getting like feedback from a community of like, oh, I want to add Dash, for example, um, we need something, we need a better mechanism than we had today. Today, we're just kind of getting a feeling sense in the community about what people are talking about, pushing forward, blah, 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 and kind of getting, doing it by that way, which is not really objective and it's not really um, scientific in its approach. And so I think what I'm thinking about, and this is my two cents, and maybe this will happen, maybe it won't happen, who knows, is that uh, creating a simple little UI um, where you can, um, take your position on the network, either as an LP or as a, a node, and say, "I the next chain I want to see added is Terra or Dash, right? And then we can actually see who's voting for what within the, the larger network and say, okay, there's a huge push for Dash. You know, let's go look at Dash. We're, we're, you know, what's the implementation? What are the security uh, questions we need to ask? Who's going to write the code? Is it us? Is it the Dash community that's going to write the chain integration? Who's going to do the smoke test? Who's going to do the XChain.js implementation? Who's going to do like all this kind of stuff? It becomes a big kind of thing to roll out. Um, yeah, I think that's my thinking at this point. But we need to do more work around giving a more structured uh, way for, for communities to, to advocate for their chain, whether Dash or Terra or whatever, what have you. Yeah, make sure your voice gets heard too. You know, post on post on Twitter, go in the go in the uh, go in the discords, and uh, you know, make sure that people know that you want your chain integrated. You get liquidity, you can uh, you know get the get the chain added, and then you can start earning yield on whatever it is that uh, you're super bullish on. So yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's 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 kind of why I always talk about like using have their position in LPs and in in uh, nodes is because. Uh, people tweeting on Twitter uh, is, is good and everything, but it doesn't really mean that it's going to add value to the Fortune network in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like throwing out a tweet. It's like, you know, it's pretty low. There's no cost <laughs> to it. Right. So, but like, it's, it's the same thing with like Token Mac, right? Token Mac, they, they try to figure out, you know, what next coin they're going to add, right, on Token Mac. And they do it through requiring people to vote with their with their token, right, with a, with a, with the token to say, they're actually investing time, money, and energy to acquire this token to say this is important for enough for me to add 
my token to the system. So I'm going to acquire token and I'm going to vote for my thing. And so I think we should probably follow that example and, and do something like that. That's, that's my thinking at least. One last question from uh, this guy's name I cannot pronounce on stage. What's up, man? Wananga. Hey, what up, man? How are you guys, man? Hello. Good, good, good. Good. Yeah, yeah man, um, I just wanted to thank you guys first and foremost. Uh, you know, uh, what, what you guys are doing over at ThorChain is exceptional, just to begin with. Um, I've been in crypto since at least 2018. Um, and uh, staying in I think you should know me. Most of the transactions that happen here are mostly peer-to-peer. And um, just to have a platform where you can just natively swap tokens is is, is, is quite something. It'll bring a lot of value. Um, one thing I just wanted to touch on is I understood why or naturally why you would choose um, Ethereum as, I guess, one of the main um, chains to, I guess, uh, well, integrate with. Now, what what tends to happen is, let's say, for instance, um, the source and all that, where you you have to say, for instance, use X Rune, or maybe it's the Thor Gods, and all of these are ERC twenty tokens. Um, have you thought of ideally maybe using Polygon instead, as you know, with the gases and all? Kind of makes it difficult. Let's say, for instance, if you do want that level of adoption. Um, wouldn't it be easier, for instance, to have, say, since X rune on Polygon or uh, maybe X rune on Avalanche or, you know, but I guess Avalanche wouldn't work right now, seeing as you guys haven't spoken about um, any of them. Maybe they might come in down the line, I guess. But I was just thinking maybe, uh, maybe Polygon would be better um as a layer as as opposed to ethereum what what are your thoughts on that um yeah so polygon has some advantages to it for sure right and uh, as you mind out it's it's more gas efficient but it also has a trade-off in terms of security as well everyone is l2 is you're you're trading um off decentralization and security for something that's less secure less decentralized um, and has okay. its, its potential draw, drawbacks and, and that kind of thing. So if we were to add support for Poly or any one of these L2s, we have to strongly mm. consider the security ramifications of, the, of that because if any one of these chains becomes, becomes insecure, it threatens the entire system. And so we have to be very cautious about that. So I'm, not, I'm not saying we won't add Poly or we will add mm. Poly or whatever, we as a community. Uh, but it's, that has to be considered. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, yeah that, that, that makes perfect sense, I guess. One piece just to add a little clarification is when, when you mentioned Exerun and Thor Starter, Thor Guards, uh, all these ecosystem projects are just building around ThorChain, and they're really free to do whatever they want. Um, so I think generally they're just going with ERC-20s because it's kind of like, that's where there's a lot of liquidity. That's kind of where exactly. there's like that's where the, the value you can get a lot of value from. Yeah, and there's just kind of yeah. like the most clear path of like how to how to launch there, I, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, but even Thor guards, like I don't know, they, they just airdropped their their weapons on Polygon. So I mean, ecosystem projects are definitely thinking about it. Um, 
Xrune, I believe, is going to be a CW20 soon, if not already, um, as well. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah when, but, you ha- um, when you have suggestions for these, like, individual projects, like, you have to remember that all these this is like a decentralized community, right? All these projects are run yeah. by their own teams, and you need to, exactly. um, you know, make it more within, within those projects. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, have you guys thought about, let's say, um, uh, integrating with Solana? Or maybe that could probably be a tough one to do, seeing as, um, let's say, for instance, uh, Binance Smart Chain is is built on top of um, Cosmos, right? If I'm not mistaken, so it's it's pretty easy to integrate any uh, blockchain that is um, I as opposed to well, something like it's been built from the ground up. Binance Binance Chain is built on Cosmos, but Binance Smart Chain is just a fork of Ethereum. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, but yeah. but but we've already added Ethereum. I don't know where actually adding Biden Smart Chain is relatively, you know. No, no, I know. I was, I was asking. Low. But... Yeah, there, there was different... a Twitter. There was a Twitter poll recently where people were like, "What do you want to see after, um, like Adam and and Terra?" And mm. Doge, and I think uh, Solana was the the top uh, top voted on just that Twitter poll. I think a, a member of the community sent okay. that out. So again, like to Ch- to Chad's point, like Twitter polls aren't the best um, the best way of gauging like what the actual economic value add would be. So mm-hmm. um, we can't say for certain that Solana will be worked on next. Um, mm. But I, I I personally like I like Solana. Um, I know one of the other members of the Nine Realms team is interested in working on Solana as, as well. So I think it's it's fairly it's fairly uh, certain to say that uh, Solana will probably be getting worked on, um, you know, very very soon. Um, another one um, that uh, the community showed um, interest in was Avalanche. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean we're, we're we're definitely like any any like L one like instant finality chain is, is going to be a good with, with a mark with a you know a large market cap and a lot of volume going through it is going to be uh-huh. a, a a good candidate for for Thorchain. Um, but yeah, L twos we still have to figure out you know like Chad was saying the security implications of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then there's some of the other ones we're looking at are like Monero. Um, uh, Zcash, Zcash and all the privacy oh. coins. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so those will will be making some progress as well. But I'm, yeah, I think that in in terms of like what is actually get getting queued up after Terra, um, we're mm. probably gonna have to put that to a vote and maybe. And I think that's I think going forward, yeah, I love the idea of adopting like a token max uh, style sort of just like um, event to to determine those things rather than. Um, just you know, wh- whoever is willing to work on something, deciding that that's what they're going to work on, because we can, we can we can figure out something better than that. All right, man. I think I've, you've pretty much covered everything that I that I asked. Um, and you guys keep building, man. You guys have a a gear, and obviously the value is there. It, it'll just take others some time to see it as well. <laughs> so yeah, awesome, man. Thank you for your support. Right. Thank you, guys. That's all the time we have for uh, for questions for today. So just want to thank everyone for hopping on and uh, listening to all of us talk Thorchain. We do this uh, weekly, every Friday. Um, you know, sometimes it changes depending on the time zone. Normally, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time. So 
Uh, hope you can join us again next week for the weekly updates. See what's going on in the uh, in the Thorchain community. So, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for hopping on, everybody. Yeah, same. Thanks, Cheers. everyone.